but I'm here to tell you that all of those compliments are your crowns. And when you reject the compliments and you reject the identity statements, you're robbing yourself of an opportunity to throw those at the feet of Jesus one day. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Matt Robinson. I recently turned 40 years old, and that brought with it a lot of reflection. Uh, Where am I in my life? Am I where I thought I would be? Am I the man that I wanted to be? All of those kind of questions. And one of the things that really stuck out to me was how much I had grown and how much my thinking had changed since the time I entered the workforce nearly 20 years ago now. And so this podcast is really for two reasons. One, I wanted just to share my heart. I used to be in ministry and I really enjoyed uh, sermon writing and, and that sort of thing. And so this is kind of an outlet for that. But more importantly, there's a lot that I've learned about the kingdom of God. And one of those things is that the kingdom of God always reproduces itself. So this is my attempt to reproduce what it is that God's doing in my own life. And more than that, I was thinking about 40 years old and and certain things that have happened in my life. And I had a grandfather, I've called him grandfather, very formal. Yes, I know. And he and my grandmother were missionaries in Brazil in the 1950s, 60s, 70s. I mean, a very long time. And really at the time of mission work, where when you went overseas, you didn't know if you'd come back or not. And so my parents were raised over there. Uh, My mom was raised over there, and they would speak Portuguese whenever they didn't want us white kids to know what they were talking about. But they're all white, so I don't know why I said that. But the point being, uh, I was thinking about how great it would be to hear a sermon from my grandpa, my grandfather. How great would it be just to hear his heart? And what was his motivation? What drove him to, to spend all those years, decades, in a very hostile, rough terrain environment? where the fruit was was hard to drive and come by. Even times when they were held uh, prisoner, they were kidnapped even for a time. So a pretty wild time. And so in my head, my heart, my mind, I wanted wanted to say, you know, one day I'll have grandkids, great-grandkids, and I want them to know who their grandpa was. And this effort of 40 for 40 is kind of that. One day I hope my kids will listen to this and think, Okay, this is who my dad was. And I hope that it's consistent with the man that I lived with for all those years. So, all that to be said, thank you for coming, and hopefully you're still listening. And I want to walk you through kind of my heart and my life and and how we're going to do this exercise together. And we're going to just dive right in and go from there. So, like I mentioned earlier, I spent about 13 years in full-time ministry. And since leaving ministry... I have had a singular question in my head and every day I've got up and I've really articulated and thought through this question. I've gone through counseling. I've, I've talked to many people and, and really the heart of all of those conversations has been around this. What does it really mean to have my identity in Christ? We hear the phrase identity in Christ and we throw it around pretty loosely. Um, it may even show up on a bumper sticker or a t-shirt, but what does it really mean? What does it really mean if all of my identity is wrapped up wholly in Jesus Christ? I remember hearing someone say once, well, that's not a struggle for someone who has their identity in Christ, referring to something that they were going through. 
Well, I was struggling with the thing they mentioned. So then I thought, well, maybe I don't have my identity in Christ. But is it that simple? Is it that easy? Is it just a black and white litmus test of faith? Or is it much more complex, nuanced, and journeyed? Well, you can probably already guess my answer. And that's what I want to discuss on this podcast. As we dig into this 40 for 40, I want to just share how God has shaped my thinking. Is my thinking perfect? No, not even close. But is it on the way? Hopefully. So every podcast, the content will be kind of framed around this idea of identity in Christ. And what does it really mean? And today I want to open up with a topic that's hopefully fun. It can help us kind of break the ice on this journey. And that topic being compliments. Yes, compliments. By compliments, I mean exactly what you think. It's not some catchy theological turn of phrase, but literal positive words from one person to another. Compliments. So here's the premise for today's podcast. 20 years ago, I used to think, I hope someone compliments me today. Now I think, how can I compliment someone today? Now throughout this podcast, I'll use compliment and encouragement interchangeably because they really do go hand in hand, especially in the life of a believer. So what exactly is a compliment? Well, according to Webster's, it's an expression of esteem, respect, affection, or admiration. Now, that's a great definition, but as a follower of Christ, I would say it's a worldly definition. Now, a lot of times when we say worldly, especially in the church world, that's often a negative thing, but I don't necessarily mean that here. It's okay to speak words of esteem, respect, affection, and admiration. I mean, who doesn't want to hear that? But for the believer, a compliment is designed to be much more than that. More importantly, you might be thinking, what in the world do compliments have to do with my identity in Jesus Christ? That's a great question, and I would say actually everything. Now, before I get deep into the world of compliments, let's back up into the world of identity for a second. What does it really mean to have our identity in Christ? Well, I want to set that table a little bit by just kind of walking you through what has really helped me. Repeatedly throughout Scripture, we see statements like this from God. We see that in Isaiah 45.2, it says that God goes before us. This is what the Lord says, I will go before you, Cyrus, and level the mountains. I will smash down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. Ten chapters later, we see that God, in fact, is also behind us. Isaiah 52.12 says, But you will not leave in haste or go in flight, for the Lord will go before you. The God of Israel will be your rear guard. In Psalm 89, we find out that God is not only before us, and God is not only behind us, but God, in fact, surrounds us. Psalm 89 says, Who is like you, Lord God Almighty? You, Lord, are mighty, and your faithfulness surrounds us. In Joshua 1.3, we find out that God is actually underneath us as well. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. We also see in Acts 1.8 that God is covering us, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and covers you. Acts 4.31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So we see here that God is before us, God is beside us, around us, above us, underneath us, surrounding us, covering us, and living within us. And we are completely His. He is all over us. And as a believer, this is who you are. When I'm talking to you, this is who I'm talking to. And when you're talking to me, this is who you're talking to. This is our identity. That we are completely His and His alone. That we are loved. We are cared for. We are covered. 
we are blessed and there's no trial or no moment or temptation or anything we ever face where God is not there present with us, preparing us, building us up, readying us to accomplish what it is that he's called us to be. Now, all of that sounds good, Matt, but why then is this so hard for us to believe? It may not be hard for you to believe, but there are people who really struggle with this. I've talked to many in ministry and apart from ministry and and people I walk with day in and day out who don't really believe that that's who they are. They don't really believe that God is that obsessed with them. God loves them that much that he is with them in every way. And out of that, they don't have their identity in him. The reason this is so hard for us to believe, though, is because we do have an enemy who is constantly attacking our identity. I think a lot of us, when we think about Satan, we think about his attacks on us that come through temptation and they come through self-doubt. They come through challenging our self-worth. And all those things are true, but the reality is all of those stem from him really challenging our identity. Now, this is not something that we should be surprised about. Because from the beginning of time, Satan's lies are always aimed at the roots of the tree of our identity. Every single time. And when we see Satan, this is exactly what he's doing. Go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. He challenged Adam and Eve with phrases like, Did God really say XYZ? Really, I think he just doesn't want you to be like him, right? He's challenging their identity. He's challenging what it is that God said about them and saying, are you sure that's really who you are? When Jesus was in the desert and he had been fasting in the wilderness, Satan comes to him and says, if you really are the son of God. Now think about this whole interaction. Right before this, right before the 40 days, Jesus was baptized. And the dove came down from heaven and the light, and it was just an incredibly angelic scene. And God's voice came from heaven and said, This is my son, whom I love. In him I am well pleased. What an incredible statement of identity. There was nothing in there about what he was going to do. There was nothing in there about what he was going to achieve. All that statement was, was just simply, He is my son and I love him. This is our identity too. But Satan tries to manipulate that just like he did with Jesus and says, are you sure if you really are the son of God, then would you really be going through this? If you really were God's daughter, would you be facing the things you're facing right now? And this challenge is an identity challenge at the roots of our life. Culturally, we see this as well. We see Satan attacking the origins of truth, the origins of identity. He's been doing it for a long time. Think about What's happening with evolution, right? Are you really an on-purpose creation of a loving God, or are you just some evolutionized ape? There's a big difference in the way those two lives play out. There's a big difference when we believe that God has a plan and a purpose for us, or when our lives are just accidental or haphazard, or we just found ourselves here somehow. We see that with abortion. Are you sure that's really an on-purpose creation of God? Are you sure that's really a baby or is it just a fetus? It's just a fetus. We can can abort. We can get rid of it. No, this is an on-purpose creation of God. And this is the trial, right? This is the, the thinking that Satan goes through to make us think, again, the attack of the origin, the attack of the identity level. What is this really? In our culture right now, are you really a boy? Are you really a girl? I mean, who's to say? You can be whatever you want attack on identity. And we see this again and again and again, and we get surprised by this. But this should be no surprise for a believer, because just as much as God wants to solidify his identity into you, you have an enemy 
who wants to detach your identity from him. And so again and again, we see this attack at the roots of origin, at the roots of identity. There are labels that are trying to be put on us, and Satan is behind many of those. What happens to many of us is that people who are not filled with the Holy Spirit, whose identities aren't in Christ, they start to speak identity over us that is not in line with the Holy Spirit says at all. But yet we believe it. So when Proverbs 18.21 says the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit, we understand that. And most of us, we interpret that in a negative way because that's how it's impacted us. We think about the negative things our teachers said to us that make us think we're not that smart and we'll never amount to anything. A negative thing a parent says that makes us question, should I even stay in this family? A negative thing a coach says when we, it says, man, you shouldn't even be on this field right now. We think, man, I'm no, I'm no good to anybody. Something someone says to us in a toxic relationship that adheres to our heart and our brain, and we think that's who I am now. We hear this verse, and that's how we resonate, that the tongue does have the power of life and death, and it's been spoken over me, and it's killed the identity that I hope to have in Jesus Christ. But what if we saw this positively? What if we took that verse as a challenge to speak to life the God-given, Christ-ordained identity into one another? Look back on Acts 4.25. Acts 4.25, you spoke by the Holy Spirit, the mouth of your servant, our father David. And then a few verses later, the verse we referenced earlier. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. When we're surrounded by God, and we're covered by God, and we're full of the Holy Spirit, we are, are, we are supposed to speak the very words of God to one another and to the world. In fact, as Christians, a.k.a. little Christs, as the literal translation of that term, we must do this because we need each other to. We need each other to speak that identity into us because the world is trying to speak that identity out of us. So how do we take this idea of compliments and really rewrite it with this idea of speaking identity into one another? Because some of us, we walk around and we have a very positive demeanor. And we used to like to say things to each other like, hey, you did a great job in there. And that's awesome. And in fact, I would encourage you to do that. And there's nothing wrong with that statement. But what if we leveled up a little bit in our compliment giving? And instead of saying, hey, you did a great job. What if we said, it's obvious that God has given you these talents and abilities. And to watch you use those for his kingdom is awesome. Or what if we said, wow, God's favor is all over you. It's awesome to work with someone who knows they are in Christ. We can speak that into each other, right? And that is what the word encouragement means. The word encouragement means to pour courage into each other. But what if we just kept ramping it up? And what if we walked around looking for opportunities to speak that into each other? It's in those moments where we're moved beyond a sentiment of respect and honor to a place where we're cultivating the Christ-centered identity of the person next to us. Because just like those apostles in 431, Acts 431, where they say they spoke the word of God boldly, that's what it is to be full of the Holy Spirit, to speak that word of God into each other boldly. Now, as awesome as this is, most people I know prefer one or the other, giving or receiving of compliments. Now, for those of you who don't like to give compliments, let me just ask you this question. Why? Now, back in the day, like I said, I started off thinking, man, I really hope 
that somebody gives me a compliment today. Now, I'm not opposed to compliments, but I'm not actively walking around seeking them or hoping I do something good enough to generate one from somebody else. But there was a few reasons why, in the midst of that, as I wanted to give compliments, I really struggled to give compliments too. The first reason is that many people who don't like to give compliments is because they're too self-conscious. I gave those examples a minute ago of speaking life into somebody and how many of you felt like, man, this would be great. Oh, yeah, 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 I could do that. I'm about to do that right now. Some of us were like, yeah, there ain't no way that's happening, right? I'm never going to say that to someone else. If it's the latter and you really would say I, I would struggle to do that, it's probably because you don't really believe or recognize the absolute presence of God within you. And I already went over that. I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that section and meditate on that because when we really see how much God is living within us and when we cultivate that, which we'll talk about in later podcasts, we really do have an opportunity to say, wow, God is with me and I can't keep that within and I got to share that with somebody else by just helping them to see themselves as the way God does. Some of us, though, the bigger reason is because we're too focused on our own kingdom instead of the kingdom of God. I have a friend of mine who pastors at a church and he's on staff. It's a big staff, many, many pastors on staff there, but he's a key leader within that staff. And he still takes time to volunteer and serve in the kids' organization, uh, the kids' ministry back there. And it's really an awesome thing to see. And he told me this story once about they had just built this new building and a uh, beautiful, gorgeous facility. And um, they were bringing in various kind of uh, Christian dignitaries, if you will, people that um, had, had been believers in the house and people who had uh, probably very famous pastors that if I rattled their names off, you would know who they were. And they were coming through, and, and one time he was in this room, It was a, I believe it was a Saturday evening, they were preparing for a Saturday evening service, and uh, the, the wife of the, the lead pastor came walking through and began to show uh, these folks, these dignitaries, all the things she had done to help build this building. And they walked through, and they walked into the room where my friend was at, and my friend was on staff, but he serves in a role that is not kids-related, but he still serves in the kids' ministry. And along with him were a couple other people that were serving in the kids' ministry. And they were cleaning the room, preparing it. And um, the pastor, uh, the wife's pastor, walked in and showed them around this room and talked about all the things she had done and designed. And they just kind of looked on and nodded and um, took off, just left that room and went to the next one. And I asked my friend, I said, well, did she acknowledge that you were in there? And he said, no. I said, well, did, did she acknowledge the other people that were in there or thank them for what they were doing to help? build the ministry of the church? And he said, no. And what happens in this case, what I, what I glean from that is that when you have a picture of compliments that only revolve around you receiving them, it's because you don't really understand the kingdom of God. Because in the kingdom of God, there is so much encouragement. There's so much identity, right? There's so much good word for one another. It's like a river that never ends. But when we build our own kingdom, we look at compliments like a limited pool, a limited resource that when I give one away, I'm taking something out and there's not one now for me. But when we live in the kingdom of God, it's an endless supply of encouragement, an endless way to just build somebody else up. So in that moment, the, that pastor's wife was probably thinking, if I give them a compliment, it's going to detract from what I'm trying to communicate, which is how great I did in building this room. Now, inherently, that's not ideal. But there's not really that much wrong with it. And in terms of the world of sin, I don't know if anybody would call it that. But I would say it's a missed opportunity 
to pour identity and to pour encouragement into people who don't even need to be here, but they're doing this out of the goodness of their own heart. It's kingdom of God thinking versus kingdom of man thinking. And our identity, whenever it's in the kingdom of man, will always focus on lack. It'll focus on what we don't have. But what's in the kingdom of God, it's all about how much there is. It's abundance. And so if you struggle to give compliments today, I would challenge you with that to say, how do you see that? How does that story resonate with you? Maybe not at all. Maybe like, no, Matt, you're way off base. I just don't like to do it because I don't like to talk to people. And that that's, again, an identity issue. You're missing out on opportunities for blessing just to speak into somebody's life and to say, God has ordained you for this moment and you are doing an incredible job living up to what God has put in you. Some of you, though, on the other side of this coin, are hearing this and you're thinking, I don't like to receive compliments though, Matt. And if somebody came to me and said what you just said, I would be really uncomfortable. Now, my question for you would be, why? Why don't you like to receive compliments? The reason most people give is because they feel like they're an imposter and they're walking through imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is something that I'm finding more and more adults face, which is basically this statement of, if you really knew how much I didn't know about my job or about who I was or about how bad I am as a dad or a mom or as a parent or whatever, there's no way you would ever compliment me, let alone talk to me again. Because we all struggle, don't we? We all struggle. We all struggle to love each other. We all, we all struggle to love ourselves more than other people. We struggle to be an encourager all the time. I know there's days when I'm, I'm pouring out a lot at work and I get home and I have a wife and four kids. And it's tough for me to say, yeah, I was great as a dad today. Or yeah, I was great as a husband today. Or yeah, I gave my best at work today or gave my best at home. Because there's so much to pour out, we have to be really diligent about what we pour in. But I would challenge you a little bit deeper with these sentiments on imposter syndrome. Because imposter syndrome, again, it really assumes that God doesn't have anything to do with where I'm at right now. Imposter syndrome assumes that God made a mistake. Now, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know why I'm doing what I did. I'm doing because God put me here, but I have no idea why he did. He made a real bad choice. And some of us have even heard people say that in a jokey way. But we really do feel that, don't we? We really do feel, man, I don't, if I got compliments publicly, oh my gosh, I would blow a gasket. I, I, I couldn't handle it. I'd just like crawl under my chair and die. I literally heard somebody say that once. And my question again is why? Because again, in the kingdom of God, you better get used to it, right? If you're in the kingdom of God and you're living out your identity, you're going to do good. You're going to do well. And people are going to recognize that, at least hopefully you're in a place in the space where somebody does and recognizes that God's hand is on you and you're walking out your identity in him. But I would challenge you with this. I heard this a long time ago and I was struggling with that too, because sometimes, especially in ministry, when somebody gives you a compliment, even when I longed for them, like I mentioned earlier, there's times when I would feel uncomfortable with it. Like, I don't know what I should say. You know, you know, what's the righteous thing to say about receiving a compliment? And I remember hearing a pastor say this once. He said, you know, uh, the big thing a lot of Christians say or pastors say is, you know, when somebody gives them a compliment is, well, it was all God. You know, it was all God. And he said once there was somebody in his church who sang a song and they got done. And he said, you did a beautiful job. Thank you. And they said, it was all God. 
He's like, no, I don't think it was. Because when God opens his mouth, universes are created. Galaxies are formed. I don't think it was God, but you did a good job. And it's okay to say thank you. Now, as funny as that is, uh, it's also pretty true, right? That statement, as as uh, noble as it sounds, is really deflective of how we should receive that statement. And the easy way to receive that compliment is just to say thank you. I think it's okay to say what was spoken of Mary, which is Mary meditated on these things in her heart and gave thanks. She treasured these things in her heart and gave thanks. It's okay to treasure them. It's okay to receive a compliment, especially when it's about your identity in Christ, to receive that and to treasure that and to write it down and to go back and reference it. And here's why. The Bible says there'll be a moment when all the kings are gathered around the throne of Christ and they're casting their crowns at the feet of Jesus. Now, some of us read that passage and we think, man, that's a beautiful image. And it certainly is. It's, it's extremely powerful. But we think that has nothing to do with us. But I'm here to tell you that all of those compliments are your crowns. And when you reject the compliments and you reject the identity statements, you're robbing yourself of an opportunity to throw those at the feet of Jesus one day. And every day, we give ourselves to the Lord and we, we give him our sin and we give him our, our pain and we give him all of these terrible things that he wants that we walk through. And those are wonderful things and we should continue to do that. But when we reject a compliment, we're robbing ourselves of an opportunity to throw that along with those things as well. So thank you for listening today. And I want to just wrap up with a, a closing prayer. And I hope that you are able to walk in your identity and speak that identity into other people as they walk with Christ as well. Lord, we're thankful for everyone listening today and wherever they are in whatever moment they're in in their life right now. I pray, God, that they would just see you. I pray, Lord, that your presence that we spoke of would just adorn them and cover them and all those scriptures that we read about how you're with us and you're all over us and you're underneath us and surrounding us and above us and below us and within us, God, would just take root in our hearts and know that we have such confidence to walk out whatever it is that you have for us. So I pray today, Lord, that our identities would be rooted in you. I pray today, Lord, that we would walk around just looking for opportunities to build up the identities of Christ and other people. And we give you glory, honor, and praise for what's to come. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining today. So glad you're here. And I look forward to seeing you on the next one. Thanks. Thanks.